book of Acts chapter 2. If you have your Bible, it would be awesome to turn there. Or if you don't, we do have it printed on the screen. My name is Danny Forshee, and I'm the pastor here at Great Hills, and we're just delighted, so delighted that you're here today. Everybody here today, you're here because God wanted you here. Somebody invited you. Uh, I know it was rainy. I don't know about it at your house, but it thundered like forever. And I was like, will it, will it ever quit thundering? I didn't see any lightning, but saw lots of rain. And, and I've just learned living in Austin, Texas, be grateful for the rain. Whenever you get it, just be grateful for it because our lakes need it and our lawns and yards and so forth need it. But many of you are, are, are at home, and I get that. You didn't brave the elements. You're at home watching us on Facebook and live stream and maybe YouTube or Twitter or whatever it is you're watching us. God bless you. We're glad that you are are watching us online. If you're on Facebook Live, why don't you take a moment, just push share and let people know, let your friends know that you're worshiping God at Great Hills Baptist Church with us here as we're worshiping live. As it was already said, I want to say it again. Thank you for being here. Thank you for coming and worshiping God. What a, what a sweet spirit in our church. It's kind of fun watching people mess up sometimes. You know what I'm saying? It, you know, just kind of, and they're, they're human, you know. They, they, uh, thank you, Terry. Thank you, David. God bless you for coming up here and, and helping us out. So we are studying the book of Acts. And today, I just got a, you know, confession is good for the what? You know, for the soul. I, I'm going to preach somebody else's sermon today. Now, don't judge me. Uh, don't, don't be all upset with me. Because I'm going to tell you, it's the Apostle Peter's sermon that I am preaching. And it really, I'm going to go through line upon line what he preached, this powerful Pentecostal sermon. He's on the steps of the temple in Jerusalem. He is surrounded by about 120 of these strong followers of Christ. And the Apostle Peter, he stands up, he leaves one vocation and takes another avocation. He takes upon this role as a pastor or as a preacher. You know, that, that story never gets old to me, how God takes someone out of their vocation and he brings them into his vocation. Jesus said, follow me, follow me, Peter. And no longer will you fish for fish, but you can now fish for men. It's been many years now, I wrote my PhD dissertation on a man. And I had to study this guy's life in an aspect and uh, um, an angle that nobody else had ever studied. And I learned so much and I traveled up to Oberlin College where Charles Grandison Finney served as the second president. Now, I know when I mention that name Finney, uh, it, it evokes a lot of responses from people today. People, you either love him or, or hate him. And I came to appreciate, but also I became very critical of his theology and some of his methodology. But the thing I loved about Charles Grandison Finney is this. October the 10th, 1821, in Adams, New York, he was an attorney, and he was a powerful attorney, a lawyer. In fact, you would want this guy to argue your case before the judge and the jury because he was so, he was so persuasive. Now, in 1821, when you were six foot two, that's, that's really tall. Amen, heaven, maybe I'll be six foot two. I don't, I don't know, but anyhow, Charles Finney, six foot two, and he had these piercing blue eyes. But he said that day as I walked to the, the law office, I kept hearing this voice inside of me saying, will today be the day? How long will you continue to run from me? 
Don't you know that I'm calling you to myself? You cannot have a righteousness on your own. You must be born again. He kept hearing this, this voice and he kept, he kept walking. And finally he said, I just turned away from my law office and I went to this grove of trees in the northern part of town. And he said, I stayed there for the entire day. And I prayed and I fasted and I, and I sought the Lord. And he said, God met me as a 29-year-old attorney in Adams, New York. I surrendered my life to Christ and I also surrendered my vocation to Christ. So the next day, it's a, it's a famous quote in Christendom. Charles Finney went to Adams, New York. He went to his law office this day and there was a man waiting on him. And he's like, sir, you're late. You're supposed to prosecute my case. And Charles Finney said these words. He said, sir, I now have a retainer from the Lord and I must prosecute his case and I'm no longer prosecuting human cases. And Charles Finney became this mighty preacher. It might surprise you that Peter is the one preaching the Pentecostal sermon in Acts chapter two because this man had once denied that he ever even knew Jesus. In fact, some cursing came out of his mouth and he rejected the Lord and the Lord looks at him as Christ, his, his, his heart is broken as one of his chief disciples is betraying him and denying him that he ever knew him. And so now when you see Peter, he has been restored and he's been called of God and, and Jesus Christ has, has redeemed that, that brokenness in him. And now he stands. And two weeks ago, we looked at this message as he's preaching this powerful sermon this Pentecostal sermon where he dips back into the Old Testament and he quotes the great patriarch and the King David, King David who ruled from 1000 BC to 960 BC, followed by Solomon who ruled to 922 BC. I mean, these two kings, David and Solomon were the greatest of all the kings of Israel. And David was not only a king and a patriarch, but he was a prophet. In fact, in Psalm 1610, David said, under the leadership of the Holy Spirit, he prophesied that the coming one, the Messiah, would be someone who would die, but they would not stay in the grave, but they would erupt the grave. They would come out of the grave. And David prophesied this. And now Peter is dipping back into the Old Testament and he's going to show and he's going to present this powerful, I mean, unassailable argument that Jesus the Christ who was of the lineage and the posterity and the fruit and the loins of David of old, this same Jesus Christ is the anointed of God who was crucified and God raised him from the dead and he is the Lord God Almighty. And, and then Peter's gonna present this, he's gonna share this message. You say, well, how effective was the message? 3,000 people are gonna get saved. 3,000 people. In a moment, the church is going to go from 120 to 3120. How about that? You say, well, what was his sermon? What did he say that was so convincing? Most of American Christianity would not recognize Peter's sermon. We have abandoned, most of us in the clergy, the pulpits, we have abandoned the systematic, expositional, textual-driven preaching that Peter did that Paul did, that even our Lord did as they, as they honored the sacred text, the Old Testament, and they referenced it and they exegeted it. Man, they let the Word of God be their power. 
And they said, my power is not in my rhetorical abilities and my persuasiveness and all my illustrations and all my applications, but the power, the dynamistic power of God is rooted in the Word of God. And when a man of God filled with the Spirit of God and the passion of God stands behind the sacred desk of God and preaches the Word of God to the people of God, that same God does amazing, miraculous things. The thing is, we just have to be faithful to it and preach it. But Brother Dan, that's not real cool. That's not as... It's not real sexy. You know, we, we, we need you to be sexy. Let me say, you, you got the wrong church. You got the wrong dude. Too sexy for my shirt. I mean, that stuff is gone. I don't, I don't have that. I've got Jesus and I've got the Word of God and that's enough. That's plenty. That is plenty. I got snacks in my bag, snacks in my bag. You remember, you remember that? I knew the young people would laugh. I just didn't know if that was going to come out. Man, I've got snacks in my bag. You know what I got? I got the Word of God. And I'm going to feast on it with you for a few minutes. Greg, if it's okay with you, about 45 minutes, 50 minutes. Is that all right? Oh, man. All right, here we go. I'm going to give him my notes. Where are my notes? I don't even know what I'm... Okay, yes, I'm supposed to read the Bible. Here we go. Men and brethren... Let me speak freely to you of the patriarch David. Peter says, he is both dead and he is buried. His tomb is with us to this day. And that would be King David, the great patriarch, prophet, king. He died. His body was placed in a sepulcher, a tomb. He did not physically, bodily rise from the dead. Therefore, being a prophet, David was, and knowing that God had sworn with an oath to him that of the fruit of his body, according to his flesh, and what he's saying there is David's kin, somebody from the lineage and posterity of King David, God would raise up the Christ, the Messiah, the Christos in the Greek, the anointed one who will sit on the throne of David. He, David, foresaw this, and he spoke concerning the resurrection of the Christ, that the, the Christ, his soul, was not left in Hades, nor did his flesh see corruption like David's did, right? I mean, everybody dies, and their flesh, you go into the grave, unless, you know, Elijah and Enoch, and you're, you're taken on, but most everybody else dies and you put them in the tomb. But this Jesus, God has raised him up. Now this is, this, is what, this is what makes Jesus Christ so special. This is what separates him from all prophets, priests, kings, religious gurus, imams, holy men, women, priests, call them prophets, what, call them whatever you will. There's one deciding, delineating factor that Jesus Christ, he supersedes all others up from the grave. He arose. And if Jesus Christ really did rise from the dead, that changes everything. Mm, listen, that means that if I believe in him, and I do, and I walk with him, and I do, and I know him, and I do, that when I die, that same Jesus who conquered the grave and sin and hell and death, he conquers my grave, my sin, my hell, and my death. 
That'll make a Baptist get excited. You know, you know what I'm saying? This Jesus, God raised him up, and we are his, say that word, church. We are his witnesses. Therefore. I love when the Bible says, therefore. In light of what I've just shared with you, being exalted to the right hand of God. Wow. Having received from the Father the promise of the Holy Spirit. Did y'all see that verse? Talking about the triune, Trinitarian God that we serve. So where does it say in the Bible that God is Trinity? Well, it says it in Acts chapter 2, 34. This God the Father sent the Spirit to the Son, and the Son has poured out the Holy Spirit upon planet Earth. These people aren't inebriated with wine. These people aren't in some drunken stupor. No, they are filled with the Holy Spirit, and they are speaking wonderful works of God, Acts 2, 11. God poured out this, which you now see and you hear. For David did not ascend into the heavens. But David said, now watch this church, this is absolutely phenomenal. One verse in the Old Testament is quoted more than any other time in the New Testament. You need to write this down, this is so important. It's Psalm 110 verse one. Psalm 110 verse one is the most frequently quoted verse in all the Bible. It is this doctrinal statement of Yahweh, Almighty God the Father, given his son Adonai, Jesus Christ, to be the Savior of the world. And David, David quotes this passage of Scripture. And in Acts, 20, excuse me, Matthew 22, Jesus Christ, he says, let me ask you all a question. How could David say, I am, how could, the, how could the Messiah say that he is the son of David, but David calls him his Lord? And here's the verse. The Lord said, now, whenever you see the tetragrammaton, you see the all caps Yahweh, it's always L-O-R-D. That is Yahweh Jehovah. You with me? That is the covenant-keeping God of Israel who was, is, and is to come. The Lord Yahweh said to, David said, my Lord, Adonai. God the Father said to God the Son, and by the way, that's exactly how David interpreted it. That's exactly how Jesus Christ interpreted it. Sit at my right hand until I make your enemies your footstool. Therefore, let all the house of Israel know assuredly, that's an interesting word, assuredly, that God has made this Jesus, ooh, look out, who you crucified. You took the king of glory, the treasure of heaven himself, and you impaled him on a stick of wood, a vertical horizontal stick of wood called a cross. He was the very treasure, the very gift of heaven, and you crucified him, the Lord and Christ. Now, when they heard this, they were, they were cut. That, that word cut, it, it means to pierce, to stab through the heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, men and brethren, this is the title of my sermon today, what shall we do? I am guilty before God. I, it was my sin that put him there. That original crowd could say, I, I was actually there when I saw that. 
somebody in the crowd, maybe in the temples of Jerusalem that day said, but I was actually one of those saying, crucify him, give us Barabbas and crucify him, crucify him. And Peter said, and you did, and you didn't know that he was the very Messiah of God. Remember Jesus said, Father, forgive them, help me. They don't know what they're doing. But Peter said, okay, I'm gonna tell you, thank you for asking me, here's what you're supposed to do. You're supposed to repent, turn metanoia, repent of your sins and let every one of you be baptized. Repent and let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for can we back that up just, just for a second? I want to show them something real quick. For, that word for, there's many ways you can translate it. And the way I translate it in the Greek is a causal statement. And this is, I think it's hati. And there is, there's a very legitimate causality. So read it like this, repent and you repent and then you get baptized because of the remission of your sins. You with me? That's, that's, um, That'll help you if somebody says, but Acts 2.38 says you're supposed to be baptized and go to heaven. No, what he said was, repent, and because your sins have been forgiven, then you get baptized, and you receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Well, shazam, what? You get all of that? All I got to do is turn away from my sin, and Jesus Christ cleanses me, and the Holy Spirit, mm -mm, I get baptized in the Holy Spirit, and I go in the water, and I get baptized, and I get all of that just because I say, God, have mercy on my soul. You got it. Man, what a deal. Everybody's looking for a deal. I got a deal. Man, I got a deal for you. Give Jesus Christ your sin. He'll give you heaven. Woo, man. That is a deal. How do you pass up on a deal like that? They didn't. They said, man, I'm in. 3,000 of them. 3,000. For the promise is to you and to your children. And I love this. And to all who are afar off. That's the Gentiles. That's us. As many as the Lord our God will call. And with many other words, he testified Martyreo, that's where we get the English word martyr. And he exhorted, parakaleo, which means to encourage and beseech. Exhorted is in the imperfect tense. That means he continued to exhort them. You say, well, how long was Peter's sermon? It was long. It says, and with many other words. Y'all think I preach long? You should have heard that sermon. And if this bores you, then what will heaven look like for you? Praising Jesus, focusing on the King of Kings, knowing that our sins have been forgiven and we're going to reign with Him forever in glory. I don't know about you, but that's pretty awesome to me. And with many of the words, he, he exhorted them and He said, be saved from this scolios generation. Scoliosis is where we get that word, perverse, bent. My grandmother had scoliosis and she, was, she walked around like this. From the time she was 80 till she died, she was about 85. This is how she walked because she had the curvature of the what? Anybody? Spine. Spine. Got some surgeons out here, some future surgeons. Then those who gladly received his word were baptized. 
And that day, 3,000 people were added to the church of God. Wow. So I only have two things I want to mention to you today. First question is, who is Jesus? And then secondly, what are we going to do about him? Who is, who is Jesus, if you're taking notes? And then the second question is simply, how will you respond to Jesus? I was talking about Peter earlier, and I'm always, I'm always fascinated. It's, whether it's a Finney, or whether it's a Lee Strobel, or whether it's a Josh McDowell, or my friend Frank Harbour, whenever these people go out and per, try to pursue to discredit and prove that Jesus Christ was a charlatan, a fake, and a fraud. And by the way, people do this all the time. They give their lives to it. And those who are intellectually honest, <laughs> they always come out Christians. They always come out going, my word, the evidence, there's a preponderance of evidence. And that's what happened to my friend, Frank, who's an, an atheist, pursuing to discredit Christ and God saved Josh McDowell. Same thing happened to him, Lee Strobel got his master's degree from Yale University in, in journalism and, journal, and, and in law. And he, his wife came home, and I've shared this with you before. Let me say it again. His wife came home, come home, and she goes, honey, I got terrible news for you. I've become a Christian. He said, that's impossible. That is the most phony, fraudulent religion under the sun. And I'm going to show you, I'm going to show you that you were wrong and I'm going to prove to you that Jesus Christ was not who he said he was. He never rose from the dead. And I'm just going to prove to you, honey, watch this. A few months later, he gives his life to Christ. Now he's this great preacher, this great apologist for the Christian faith. Who is Jesus? Well, Peter says, I'm going to tell you, beginning in verse 29, I'm going to go quickly through this, but he said, men and brethren, which would refer to Jews, and then all that God would call later on would refer to Gentiles. Those of you that are here today at the festival of Pentecost. David, 1000 BC to 960 BC, did not rise from the dead, but he was a prophet. And he said in Psalm 1610, you will not allow your Holy One to see corruption. You will not allow his soul to descend into Hades. He said, well, Brother Daniel, I want more. I want more evidence that the Old Testament really proclaims the future coming Messiah. Well, thank you for asking me, and I've got evidence. Let me read it to you. 2 Samuel 7, 12, 13 says, When your days are fulfilled, David, and you rest with your fathers, God said, I'm going to set up your seed after you. Who? He will come from your body. This is a prophetic, messianic statement. And that person who comes from your loins, your posterity, your lineage, your lineage, David, I'm going to establish his kingdom. He shall build a house for my name. Now watch this. How do you know he's not talking about Solomon? Because I will establish the throne of his kingdom. Say that last word with me. Oh, now. Solomon's kingdom wasn't forever. But there's coming somebody from David's loins whose kingdom is going to be established forever. Okay, let's go to the next one. I've made a covenant with my chosen. I've sworn to my servant, David, your seed, David, I will establish forever. And I'm going to build up your throne to all generations. I got another one. Ooh, there's another one. The Lord has sworn in truth to David. You say, David's kind of a big deal in the Old Testament. He is. He's a big deal in the Old Testament. 
And God singled him out that it's through you, David. Remember, he is the line uh, 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 and, the, and the root of David, Revelation. He has sworn through David that he will not turn from it. I'm going to set upon your throne the fruit of your body. He's coming through you. And then Luke 1.32 says he will be called great, and he will be called the son of the highest, and the Lord God will give him the Messiah, the Christos, the anointed one, the throne of the father David. So it was imperative for Peter to demonstrate with acuity and with perception and with, and with good hermeneutics, good theology, good tracing of the Old Testament. It was imperative for those people to connect the dots, to connect the theological dots that this Jesus was the very one that David had prophesied and God exonerated him, vindicated him, justified him, and he did it all, not only through the miracles, but preeminently when Jesus, up from the grave, he arose. Verse 33, Peter continues this sermon, this, this apologetic, and, and I, I see it, that Trinitarian dimension of verse 33. That's probably a good reason why I'm going to ask you to bring your Bibles on Sunday. And you don't have to have the, this, but you, you ought to have a tablet you ought to have a phone. You ought to have something because I need you to go back to verse 33, okay? Peter, he says, the Father granted the Spirit to the Son, and the Son poured out the Spirit on the 120 believers. I mean, it's, this is rich, Trinitarian, doctrinal statement that Peter is making. I'm so glad. Again, guys, I'm a preacher. That's, that's all I am. That's all I've ever even before I was a Christian, I was a preacher. For two years, when I was 17 years of age till I was 19, I was a preacher. Traveling around, anybody would have me, I would preach. Once I became a Christian, I was a much better preacher. I'm just going to tell you. <laughs> Johnny Hunt says, I've often doubted my salvation, but never my call to preach. That's kind of funny. But anyhow, I, I, maybe that's me. This is all... This, 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 oh before God, this is all I desire to do or I've ever desired to do, to make much of him. And if God can take what little intellect and, and skills and gifts that I may have, and he could, he could baptize that and anoint that so that when I preach and Jesus Christ is praised, if people come to know him, and people will live forever in his presence, and I will die a happy man knowing that I've given my life, my, all my life, all my education, all my family, all my years, all my study. I'm going to go into his presence. You're awesome, Jesus. You're awesome. And I want to say hallelujah. What an honor. What an honor to give my life to the one who gave his life for me. Verses 34 and 35, he quotes Psalm 110.1, and I shared it with you a moment ago, and i got to say it again. It is the most quoted verse. One writer puts it this way. This is the consistent interpretation given this verse by Christ and the New Testament writers, that Yahweh is L-O-R-D, capital. Adonai is Jesus, little, capital L, little O-R-D. F.F. Bruce says, yes, 
But after he ascended to the right hand of God, this was the position of supremacy over, oh my word, y'all ready for this? The universe. (laughs) That this Jesus who died and was raised from the dead and he ascended to the Father, F.F. Bruce says, now he is the supreme ruler over the universe. Then verse 36, he says, therefore, he summarizes it, assuredly, and that word asphalos means that which is known beyond a shadow of a doubt, that this Christ, this Christos, this anointed one is the very Messiah of God. Now, Peter has demonstrated this with great fidelity to the Old Testament. He has walked them through the, the Old Testament. He has demonstrated to them that Jesus the Christ is the fulfillment of all these prophecies. And that's when, that's when I got to ask you point number two, how did they respond? How will you respond? Let me say that again. How did they respond, but how do you respond? How do I respond? Well, verse 37, when they heard this, they were katanuso. They were, only time this word is used in the entire Greek New Testament. You say, Brother Danny, I lost you. Where where are you? I'm in Acts chapter 2. I'm in verse 37. It's April the 7th, 2019. You are at Great Hills Baptist Church. And some of you are waking up. That's wonderful. That's beautiful. So wake up. We're in Acts 2.37. And when it says, now when they heard this, that is the antecedent for the whole sermon. They were cut. That word cut there is the only time used in the New Testament. It means to jab them in the heart. He took a theological dagger and he pierced their spiritual aorta. And with the word of the living God, they were stabbed. They were convicted of their sin in Jesus' name. When's the last time you went to a church and you were convicted of your sins? He said, well, I don't know, Brother Dan. Last churches I've been going to, I've been told how wonderful I am and how amazing I am and how wonderful life is and I'm okay. Woo, you're okay. Everything's okay. Here's the way you go to have a happy life. And then I go out and I live my life. Let me tell you something, friend, you've been duped. When you go to church, you ought to meet the living God. And when you meet him, Man, you ought to say, God, you are awesome, and I am a sinner, and I need your forgiveness. Yes! And when that happens, when that happens, you're forgiven and you're cleansed. Then you go out of here a changed woman. Then you go out of here a changed man. This is not the 18 ways to have a happy, successful life in this Americanized brand of Christianity. No! This is a message that says, I'm not okay. You're not okay. Deep in the recesses of your soul, you know this. That's why pornography has a grip on your mind. You can't get rid of it. You can't. That's why some of you just so inebriated with the things of this world and you're, and you're trapped in it, but your Americanized Christianity, you can come and it's okay. I'm here to tell you before God, that's not okay. God wants you. He wants everything about you. He wants to break your addictions. He wants to, he wants to shatter your hangups. He wants to save you. He wants to give you the Holy Spirit. Praise God.
God, when you go out in this world, then you say, look what God has done. And I don't, I don't have to do the things of this world. Well, you don't, you don't want your 15th martini? No, I don't. You don't want to look at the pornography with me and the guys at the gentleman's club? No, I don't, because I've got something better. I got the Holy Spirit of God living in me. You want some? <laughs> some of you going, brother, if it makes me like you, I don't want any of that. You're scaring the ibby-jibbies out of me. I pray I'll scare all the demons out of you. And you open up your heart to God, and God comes in, and He saves you, and He, and he gives you life, and He gives you joy. Come on, and He gives you victory over sin. I'm telling you. <laughs> Stabbed to the heart, persuaded their mind, Peter did, and he pierced their heart with the word of God. You say, how do you know that, Danny? Okay, thank you for asking. Now, when they heard this, they were cut to the heart and they, and they said to Peter, what shall we do? What shall we do? And Peter, he didn't hesitate he said, repent. He said, you got you to leave this life of sin. And by faith, you just have to put your trust in Jesus, saying, Jesus, you're enough. And because Jesus is enough, I'm enough. He cleanses me. He forgives me. And every time in the New Testament, when somebody got really saved, they got really baptized. <laughs> They weren't afraid. Listen, we see people all the time at Great Hills Baptist Church. You want to receive Christ? Yes. You want to go to heaven? Yes. Repent? Yes. Well, it's time you get baptized. And they go dark. You're like, well, I don't know if I want to do that. Then did you really meet Christ? Because Christ, right here, he's telling Peter, tell him, repent, be saved, and get yourself dunked in that water. You say, what's so special about that? Because it's a testimony. You tell the whole world, I'm not ashamed. I tell you, if Jesus said, get saved and then go, I'll just think of something. <laughs> go swim the Sea of Galilee. Then we need to go swim the Sea of Galilee. You say, well, I would die. Well, I'd get, you'd get baptized right then, wouldn't you? Amen. You go in the sea, get dunked. <laughs> Listen, he, I know if you accept Christ right now today and you get in your car and you're in a car wreck and you die, guess where you're going? Heaven. You said, but I didn't get baptized, and neither did the thief on the cross. Because you know what? It's not an act of works. It's an act of God's amazing grace. Hear me now. But once you really get saved, you really want to follow Jesus. And F.F. Bruce, he said it great. He said, the ideal of an unbaptized believer does not seem to be entertained in the New Testament. How will you respond? First of all, you have to be convinced in your mind, and you have to be pierced in your heart, metanoia, believe, surrender. Well, what happened? I don't, I don't know how many thousands of people were there that day. All I know is that 3,000 of them said, yes, yes, Jesus. I'm convinced in my mind, and I know by this conviction, this stabbing of my heart, that I need you. 
How about you? Anybody here today? Anybody here today? Even on the internet, the live stream. And there were some there that day that did not get saved. I have no doubt. I'm sure that there were some there that day who said, thank you, Peter, for that great sermon, but I got to think about this a little bit more. A few years ago, I had all three of those things happen to me in one moment, in one day. And I'm going to go back. I'm, this is why I'm glad I keep a, a journal and, and I write everything down because I forget. Anybody else have that, that wonderful, blessed gift of amnesia? I see your hand and bless you, bless you. Young people just get a little older and you know what I'm talking about, you know. The snacks in your bag, they, they don't have many snacks there. I mean, you just, you just forget stuff. Unless you're like preacher, 90 years old, he remembers everything. What, what's up with that? You know, how do you, how do you do that? So one day, I was getting on an airplane and I was flying from Dallas to Charlotte, North Carolina. I sat next to a Jewish man named Bruce. Now listen, if you don't have earbuds in, and if you're awake, you will be witnessed to by me on an airplane. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm, I'm serious. If you are awake, you have a pulse and you don't have anything in your ears, Brother Danny's gonna say, hey, <laughs> how's it going? And I'm gonna to talk to you about Jesus. And you know what? You're not going anywhere. <laughs> You're not. And Bruce was a Jew. And I shared with him from Dallas to Charlotte, the gospel. He said, when, when this plane lands, are you in a hurry? I said, no. He said, good. Because I want to call my wife. I want you to talk to her too. I said, I'd be glad to. We landed that plane. We went to the baggage claim. He gave me his cell phone, and I called his wife, and I said, I introduced myself, and I said, your husband, Bruce, is in our standing here at the baggage claim. He wants me to tell you about Jesus because I just told him about Jesus. They did not pray to receive Christ, but they heard the gospel. That same day, I preached in Charlotte. This mighty movement of God, this revival that, you know, you look back on your life and say, thank you, Jesus, people being saved. And I was talking to a lady at this restaurant. Her name was April. And I said, April, can I pray for you for anything? And she said, please pray for my marriage. Hey, I'm gonna tell you something, guys. When, when you go to restaurants and you ask the waiter or the waitress, can I pray for you for anything? Do that. I got brushed off yesterday. Uh, no, uh, whatever. Okay, yeah, just pray for this, whatever. I don't, I, I don't know that I saw her again. I think I scared her, but that's okay. I still gave her a big tip, or Ashley did, gave her a big tip. We gave her 2%, amen? <laughs> no, at least 20%. And April said, pray for my marriage. I stopped right there and I prayed for April and her marriage. And I said, Clint, excuse me, I gotta go to the restroom. I went to the restroom, I came back and Clint just led her to Christ. She stayed at the table. And I was like, what is this? What's going on? He goes, and April prayed with me, dear Lord Jesus, dear Lord Jesus. I was like, she's getting saved. What, and right here in the, in the restaurant. Found out the following week, she was in his church. Went to his church that night. That night, I met a man by the name of Jay. So you go from Bruce, April, and Jay. And I said, Jay, 
It's 1130. I'm really tired. I've come from Dallas to Charlotte. I've preached. We've gone out to eat and I'm going to bed. But before I go to bed, and oftentimes God does this to me. Sometimes I'm knuckleheaded. Any knuckleheads in here? Wives are going, yeah, he's right here. (laughs) I can't tell you how many times I I like go up to the hotel and I'm talking to a person and I'm tired and, and I'm just like, have a good evening. And I go up to my room, put my pajamas on and the Holy Spirit says, go back. By the way, the devil never, t- never will tell you, go back and share Jesus with them. That's not the devil. I'm like, dude, I got to get, so I'll sometimes just go in my pajamas and I'll walk down there and I'll say, listen, I just talked to you for a minute, but I didn't tell you what I really need to tell you. God loves you. Can I pray for you for anything? 99% of the time people are like, dude, thank you. Yes, pray for this or pray for that. But Pat, this guy, he goes, no. He, 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 he's like, no. He says, I said, can I give you this gospel track? He said, no. He said, I've gotten too many things from people like you and I don't want that. So what do you, what do, you do, Brother Danny? Mr. Evangelism, professor. And what, do you, what do you do with people like, I just slap them hard. <laughs> slap them beside the head and say, repent, you reprobate. (laughs) And then I run because they can't catch me. (laughs) I can still run. Gary Jones, I can run. Not as fast as you, but I can run. No, I just said, Pat, okay, I get that. You're not interested. God bless you. I'll pray for you. And I went back into my room and went to bed. I've experienced all three in in one day, and I've experienced these many, many times in my life and since I've been your pastor here. But let, let let me ask you this. What will you do with Peter's Pentecostal sermon and my humble rendition of Peter's sermon where Jesus Christ has been preached There's a a word for this. It's called the apostolic preaching of Acts. It's called the charismatic preaching. The charisma is this. Watch this. Jesus was prophesied in the Old Testament 400 plus times. He was born of a virgin named Mary. He lived a sinless, perfect, pristine, beautiful life. He healed, he healed people. He loved people. He preached the good news to people. He was crucified. And many people thought, especially Rome and the, and the Sanhedrin thought, well, he's done. Like a, roaring, like, a, like a roaring lion, his body, they could not silence. And he comes up. And because Jesus Christ arose from the dead, he is who he says he is. For 40 days, he preaches the kingdom of God and then he ascends to heaven. One day, this is the charismatic preaching of the apostles in Acts. One day, he's coming back. And I'm gonna tell you something. It's not meek, mild, little baby Jesus born in a manger. It's the son of the living God. And he has flame in his eyes because by this time when he comes, you think it's bad now? You think people are are against Jesus now? Wait right before he comes. And he comes. 
And he comes in power and he comes in judgment. So here's my question to you. I beseech you, I beg you, I implore you, please meet him now as your friend. Because one day you will meet him as your judge. And I say that to you with great humility and brokenness. But all I'm preaching to you is what God's word says. And God does not stutter. He says, I give you multiple opportunities. And if you reject my son, my only son, your only redeemer, your only life preserver, your only way to heaven, if you reject it, you have nobody to blame but yourself. So I'm inviting you today, will you? Will you give your life to Christ? I wanna help you do that. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes? Those of you who are listening on, on the internet and those of you especially that are here and brave the elements, God bless you. I, I wanna pray with you, I wanna help you. Peter said these words, he said, repent. So I wanna help you. Would you pray this prayer with me? You, you pray it out loud if you want to. I, I would, you can, I, you can pray it quietly, silently. I'm gonna pray it out loud. And this is for you who today, perpetual bondage, no victory over sin, no really redemption, no changed life today. Give your life to Christ and let me, let me pray for you. Just, just you can say it after me. Say, dear God in heaven, I know that you are real today. I turn from my life and my sin and I embrace you as my Messiah and my King. Lord, I give you my life, my past, my present, my future. All that I've done wrong, please forgive me. My life is yours. In Jesus' name I pray. Now with your head bowed and with your eyes closed, here's what I want you to do. If you prayed that prayer with me, listen, listen very carefully. Please, let's don't let the enemy steal this moment. Then you need to tell somebody. Sincerely, you need to tell me, you need to tell somebody before you leave this campus, say, I gave my heart and I gave my life to Christ. Now, I have not told the staff this, and I hope I don't get, in too, get us in too much hot water, but if you're listening online and you're on that Facebook Live and you prayed to receive Christ, I want you to type the word J-E-S-U-S. Type his name. If you want to, just type his name in bold. That way, Leighton will be sure to see it. And by you typing the bold name of Jesus in that space, you're saying, I was listening. Well, we have people listening right now in Germany. It's, it's, it blows my mind. People in China are listening. But if you're listening and you received him, type the name Jesus, and we'll follow up with you. Somehow, some way, we will follow up with you and pray with you and encourage you. So, Father, I pray now that many, Lord, it may not be 3,000, but God, I'd be so grateful if it was one. If it was one, I would count my life as, as being exactly, Lord, what you wanted it to be if only one person said, I repent and I believe in the name of Jesus Christ, he who died for my sins, and arose from the dead. So, Father, we pray that you would save souls. Lord, we know, we know that you're willing, but we pray, God, that people would be willing. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God bless you. I'm going to ask you to stand to your feet.
We're gonna sing a song of invitation and we wanna ask you to pray. We're gonna ask you to, some of you need to come forward and let your decision be known. Seriously, on Facebook, just type his name, just say Jesus and we'll follow up with you, we'll encourage you. Terry, you lead us, we've got counselors here, people will pray with you, come on. Give your life to Christ today.